Hello everyone and welcome to the Horse.com's Ask the Vet, brought to you free by Sweet PDZ. Visit them online at www.sweetpdz.com slash coupon.html. I'm Christy West, digital editor and producer for the Horse.com, and joining us today to answer your questions about this topic are Dr. Katherine Cohn, BMD, Diplomate ACVM, professor in the Department of Veterinary Clinical Sciences at The Ohio State University, and Rebecca Jimenez, BS, PhD in Animal Physiology, Primary Instructor and President of Technical Large Animal Emergency Rescue. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. And as always, we received far more questions for this event than we can possibly answer in the time we have tonight. But we've picked out several to cover the major topics that you're all interested in. Trailer design and size, trailer safety, horse care while traveling, feeding for travel, and a bunch more. Uh, once we're through with those, if we have time left, we'll move on to some live questions. And if you'd like to ask a question, hang around for just a little bit to see if we already have a similar one. And if not, please type your question into the chat box at the bottom of the control panel on your screen. Please note that if you sent in your question already, you do not need to send it again now. And we'll go on to our first question. is from Deb in New Mexico. We'd like to know what are the top five mistakes that people make when trailering? Hey, Christy, we really appreciate you having us on here. And uh, I would say to that question, tying incorrectly in the trailer where the animal can somehow get himself trapped or a leg trapped or his head caught in something is probably one of the top uh, mistakes people make. Loading or unloading incorrectly where the horse or a person can get injured. Um, we always say the damage occurs here. And having the wrong trailer for the horse and or the wrong trailer for the vehicle that's towing it. Uh, that comes down to size considerations. We'll probably talk in more detail about that. Uh, and then uh, too long on the trailer. Thanks. Very good. Catherine, do you have anything to add to that? Well, the only other thing I would add is that it's never a good idea to put a sick horse on the trailer. All right. Very good. And our next question, um, I won't even put a name on this one because I probably got this question 50 times over uh, from all kinds of people all over the country, actually all over the world. Um, what's best, a slant, straight, or a stock trailer? I'll take that one. <laughs> uh, we have found we actually have a... Uh, model, we've done a lot of research, over 650 horse trailer accidents over the last 20 years that we've pulled together, and what we found is it really does not matter as long as you have the proper hitch and everything has been hitched correctly. Um, manufacturers hitch, everything has been uh, hooked up as far as the electrical, the backup brake system, the appropriate chains or um, system of chains that has been hitched correctly, they will all stay with the vehicle as long as you do the hitching correctly. And Catherine, anything to add on that? No, I think that I agree with everything Rebecca said. All right, perfect. Our next question is from Gretchen in Virginia who would like to know what you think is best, a ramp or a step up for loading, and if you prefer an open box or dividers. what the horse is really comfortable with. What I tell people is train them to all types. I mean, obviously the best thing that could happen is that you train a horse to get on any kind of trailer um, at midnight, at noon, in a rainstorm, in a hailstorm, because think about it, when do we actually have to load our horses uh, in an emergency? Often it's in, in the dark or it's in the rain. We've, we've come back from a trail ride and we're in a hurry trying to get out of the rain. We want our horses to load. But some people say, my horse doesn't like a ramp, my horse doesn't like a step up. Really, it comes down to practice ahead of time. Um, on the other hand, if your horse is very comfortable, some horses really like to travel in a box stall. If that's what they're comfortable with and you can provide that, super. If uh, your horse is not happy with those kind of things and likes to lean against the divider, there are horses that like to do that, then if you can afford a trailer that's got a divider that makes your horse happy, that's super. All right. Very good. And our next question is from Donna in Texas, who would like to know if there are any specific trailer manufacturers that are safer than others, and which ones? <laughs> uh, I think that's like uh, trying to sell drugs. Um, what I'd rather <laughs> talk about is every manufacturer has a uh, the cheap line of trailers, the medium line of trailers, and then the high quality, um, much more expensive version of trailers. And we're, most of us are, are familiar with the top 10 or 15 um, 
that, that have the excellent marketing and, and everybody recognizes the logos on their trailers. What we have found is that the cheaper trailers, you're sort of getting what you pay for. Um, however, I tell people the best way to look at the quality of a trailer is to look underneath, as in get underneath the trailer, look at the quality of the flooring, what happens to the wiring harness after it goes underneath the trailer. If the manufacturer is cheap, they will just have bare wires running underneath the trailer. In some cases, it will actually be just stapled to the bottom of the trailer, which is the cheapest. Um, there's no excuse for that lack of quality. Uh, it should be your wiring to your brakes and your electricity, which is your lifeline for your vehicle and your horses, is, uh, should be in conduit underneath the trailer. It should be uh, uh, go through grommets in the floor so that it doesn't um, get rubbed or in any way, sh shape, or form short out. And probably you should have that wiring replaced about every 10 years because it's just, it, that's just the poorest part of the trailer. It's, it's going to wear, wear very quickly and, and wear down. But uh, otherwise, uh, not a problem. All right. Very good. Thanks for that. And I'm actually going to back up a little bit because I You don't see, you say don't put a sick horse on your trailer. What constitutes a sick horse that shouldn't go on the trailer? Or are you referencing the spread of animal disease? Well, actually, I was speaking of uh, the horse itself rather than the spread of disease, but that's a good question. I think the easiest thing you can do is to take your horse's temperature. Um, and if the temperature exceeds the normal range, which in an adult horses is probably 99s through 100s, but not certainly over 101, um, then if the horse's temperature is normal, great. If it isn't normal, it's dangerous to put him on the trailer, for, especially for a long haul, 12 or more hours. Um, yes, there are issues about spreading disease also, uh, and so one presumes that people will clean their trailers if sick horses have been on there. But for the most part, if you put a sick horse on the trailer, you're likely to get a sicker horse out uh, on the other end. All right. Very good. Thanks for clarifying that. Our next question, back on uh, truck and trailer design, uh, Dee from Texas would like to know if gooseneck trailers are safer than bumper pulls. All the data that we have in our database has shown that bumper pulls and goosenecks are safe. The reason that most people prefer a gooseneck and those have a reputation for being safer is it's harder to mess up the hitching process on a gooseneck. It's much easier to screw that up on a bumper pull system. And the distribution of the weight is different. The distribution goes onto the truck, the towing vehicle, in the middle of the axles in the back of the truck on a gooseneck. And that does make it safer as far as the physics going down the road. Now, having said that, remember that some people end up with these really long trailers with the huge living quarters. And that becomes a little bit more difficult to handle. Um, long term. So, you know, there is a line that you can cross where the trailer is way too long for the average vehicle that the average horse person will purchase. But normally the, the data that we show does not matter whether it's a bumper pull or a gooseneck. Good to if know. it's hitched correctly. <laughs> Key points. <laughs> and if somebody is not sure if they're hitching up their trailer correctly, how would you suggest that they find somebody to help them out? Oh, absolutely. Go in almost every single large city has a trailer hitch place that specializes in trailer hitching, and they would love nothing more than to show you how to properly do it. Um, I would say that probably the one thing that people don't even realize is on their trailers is there's a battery which provides power to the brakes on your trailer. And in so many trailers in parking lots, I go through and I look at their battery. Sometimes the battery is not in the box. Uh, the box is empty. Um, there might be a bird nesting in the box or the battery has not been charged. The best system to buy is one that every single time that you hitch the trailer to the truck, it automatically recharges your battery and it has a light on it so you can tell whether that battery is charged. That, that battery is important to make sure that your safety brakes, if there's a breakaway of the trailer from the truck, can engage the brakes and stop your trailer. It's bad enough for your trailer to come loose from the truck, but worse would be for it to be doing 60 miles an hour down the interstate and hit another person. It's bad enough to lose your horses, but to kill another person or injure another person is, is horrific for all of us. 
Excellent points. Thank you for those. And before we go on to our next question, we're just going to throw up a quick poll for our audience just for fun. How many times have you trailered your horses in the last 12 months? All right. And we'll go on to our next question from Yvette in Canada and Ontario. Would like to know if trailer size has an impact on safety and specifically uh, head clearance. Absolutely. The problem with a uh, horse is that 60% of their weight is on the front end and they need balance to be able to stand in the trailer easily, which implies that they have to have headroom above their head, not just at their wither height. They need to be able to raise their head at least 50% of their normal raising of their head um, angle. That's probably about two feet over their withers for most horses unless you started getting into draft horses or Arabians and saddlebreds that tend to have a high headset anyway. So it needs to be much higher than most people would consider so that they can balance easily as they're going down the road and obviously enough room on both sides um, for them to, to prevent being to scramble or otherwise get uh, claustrophobic. Right. Excellent. Good points. And Karen from Ontario has a kind of a general question. She wants to know what type of the trailer is the best type to purchase? Can I answer that one too? Go for it. <laughs> Can you stop your trailer? And I'm talking stop your trailer in the worst conditions, in rain, in snow, in ice. Uh, a little kid runs out in front of you in a parking lot. The, the absolute worst conditions, can you stop that trailer? So uh, some of us remember the old ads from the 70s where they had an AeroStream trailer, uh, an RV trailer that was being pulled by a bicycle. A bicycle can pull a trailer, but what can stop it? All right. <laughs> I don't think my bicycle could pull a lot of horse trailers, but I'll, I'll go with you on that. Depends <laughs> who's paddling. <laughs> Maybe I just need to build up my legs a little bit. That must be it. <laughs> Marianne from Florida would like to know what size trailer she needs for a 16-hand thoroughbred up to 1,100 pounds. The tallest and widest that you can afford. It really comes down to this is not a cheap hobby. People spend uh, $20,000, $100,000 on a horse, and then they'll buy a $15,000 trailer, and they're going to haul it to shows the rest of its life. I, I don't understand that. Uh, whatever you can afford, the best truck and trailer combination that fits your horses. If you're hauling Arabians, maybe you can get away with a smaller trailer, but if you're hauling uh, Percherons, draft horses, or Hanoverians, you probably need to look at the size of the trailer um, for those horses so they're comfortable fitting to your towing vehicle. All right, and Connie from Idaho would like to know how critical is a stabilizer bar? Stabilizer bars really are cheater bars to me. Um, it's nice to put them on a trailer uh, if, if you just want to, but our data has shown that stabilizer bars are usually put on by people when they say, hey, I was driving my trailer yesterday and it was waving behind me, um, jackknifing in the lane. There's a problem with the towing vehicle size matched to the trailer, or perhaps there's a, a problem with the angle of the hitch on the trailer. Uh, don't cheat by putting stabilizer bars on. Find somebody that knows something about trailer combinations with the truck and find out why that trailer is uh, trying to jackknife behind you first. Some trailers come with stabilizer bars. It's probably not a bad thing to have them on, but that should not be your backup plan. Excellent point. Thank you for that. And just real briefly, the results of our poll, how many times have you hauled your horse in the last 12 months? 30% of you have hauled your horse 1 to 5 times, 18% 6 to 10 times, 36% more than 11 times in the last 12 months, and 16% of you have not been hauling at all. Our next question is from Mickey in Washington who would like to know if there are any concerns about exhaust coming in the windows. Catherine, that's more you. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think there, are, there certainly are concerns about exhaust. We have to be concerned about ventilation though and air changes in the trailer and I don't think there's any way to get away from the uh, some of the noxious fumes that you're going to find on the highway. Um, I think that if you can haul your horse at a time when the roads are less busy that will help a lot uh, and you can try to keep away from you know, traffic jams where you're going to just sit in traffic and be surrounded by exhaust that would also be helpful. It's just as bad for you if not worse as for the horse so it's a health concern all around. All right. 
Very good. Thanks for that. And our next question is from Stacy in California who would like to know what is the minimum truck or engine size we should consider for pulling a two to three horse trailer? She's new to trailering. Wow, we could really go down a rabbit hole on that one. What I would say is you need to look at the terrain you're going to haul your trailer on and how often you haul. Um, if you're going to a show every single weekend and you live in the Rockies, that's going to be very different from if you live in Florida and you only uh, haul you know, to a trailhead once a, once a month. Um, that's, that I really would, would it, uh, <laughs> say that's the kind of considerations you need to look at more than anything else. Okay, excellent points. And our next question is from Tommy in Kentucky, who would like to know ask, ask if you could please explain gross, our GVWR and also are spring airbags a good option for increasing load carrying capacity? Oh, those are excellent questions. Uh, we do not have the time to cover that. What I would suggest is that you go to a link for Neva Chevy's book on trailers. She also um, builds Equispirit trailers. She is really, that, that book that she has, and I think you have the link for that, Christy. I do. Um, that book is considered right the Bible for maintenance, safety, and looking at purchasing trailers, all the things uh, that we don't have time to cover in one hour on this, on this show. All right, thank you. I'm sharing that link right now. You should all be able to see that in your chat window, and for anybody who may not be able to see it, it's www.equispirit.com dot com slash info slash horsebook dot htm and we'll go on to our next question our last question on trailer design Kimberly would like to know uh, when reflooring your trailer what is the best choice for a flooring material and should you use mats or not Catherine go for it <laughs> um, I don't have any comments so much on the type of flooring clearly it needs to be very strong um, I, I like the idea of mats um, that are either just easier to clean, although you do have to clean under them uh, frequently, but uh, I like the idea of mats with good absorbent bedding on the top. I'll, I'll address the flooring materials. Honestly, any kind of flooring material that is appropriate uh, and you can afford, obviously some of the higher end rumber, which is the rubber lumber um, that you can purchase. Uh, originally the Air Force uh, did some research and found that product. That's an awesome material. Um, it does have to have a mat on top of it. Wood is okay. The problem with wood is it does rot and it needs to be evaluated probably on a yearly basis. Uh, to make sure that the horse doesn't come through the floor because those are the the most horrific tragedies for horses uh, by far of any kind of trailer wreck. Um, the aluminum floors, the uh, steel floors, those again, like Catherine said, they have to be cleaned on a regular basis and there are products out there, I'm not going to go into details, but there are products as far as cleaning the floor and neutralizing the pH problems of having all that urine on the floor and uh, obviously when it comes to the bedding materials that you have on the floor to be able to catch the urine, that kind of stuff. That's sort of up to um, personal choice, uh, minimize dust, but otherwise personal choice. Right. Excellent. We're going to move on to trailer safety, and our first question in that area is from Buffy in Wisconsin, who would like to know, with a two-horse trailer, if you only have one horse in it, which side should he be on? Depends on whether you're in the U.S. or any other country. <laughs> the roads in our country, in the United States, are balanced in the center. The center line is slightly higher than the sides, and that's to sheet the rain off of the road. And thus, the tendency of the trailer is going to be, um, if the weight is in the center, it will tend to stay in the center of the road. If you put the horse on the left, that will tend to maintain the trailer and the weight in the center of the road. If you have only one horse, it should be on the left in the U.S. Um, if you load him on the right, then he tends with his weight to pull the trailer off the edge of the road, and as we all know, if you've ever driven behind someone with a trailer, they tend to have their trailer go off the road, off the edge of the road every once in a while anyway. So um, we would like to have them near the balance of the road in the center line. Now, a friend of mine has a very small Arabian, and her husband has a huge Harley-type motorcycle. It weighs more than the horse, so she loads the motorcycle in the left and the horse on the right when they go places and her husband goes out on the motorcycle and she goes out on her horse. So you sort of have to evaluate that. 
Good points. We've been thought about the motorcycle being heavier than the horse, but that's a good point. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> All right, we're going to toss out another quick poll to our audience just for fun. What time of the year do you do most of your trailer trailering? While we're answering that, we're going to go on to our next question, which is from Danielle, uh, who asks if it's okay, do you, or do you recommend traveling in the trailer with your horse if it's his first trip? Actually, that I, I want that one. Um, that is, first of all, it's illegal Again, on, on federal law. It is illegal to do so. It's extremely dangerous. There is so many stories I could tell you of uh, people that I know personally who have done things like that, especially with sick horses going to the vet, and they feel somehow that they're going to be able to um, make their horse feel better by being back there with the horse. If the horse is colicky, the horse is hurting, there is no way that you're going to be able to hold up a 1,000-pound horse in the back of the trailer plus the person that's driving isn't going to know what happened. There's too many stories of, of people who've been injured or even been found dead um, back there with the trailer, uh, kids that have gone from the, from the gooseneck living quarters back through a door in to see their horses. Their parents are driving down the road and don't realize the kid has gone back there to pet their horse seat. The horse uh, gets unbalanced and accidentally crushes the kid. It's just too dangerous. Right, and I'll admit to being guilty of that when I was a kid, but it's it's definitely safer not to. <laughs> All of us probably did those things, and we look look around and we think, uh, well, we made it. Yeah, well, there's other people that did. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Okay, our next question is from Heather in Colorado, who would like to know what are the most important features of a trailer for the safety of the horse. Ooh, that's a good question. Good question. Uh, I would say quality of the floor obviously because that's such a tragic incident when horses go through the floor. Um, your lighting and brakes, because it's all about safety for you. You know we love our horses, it's about safety for you also, and if you have a breakdown on the side of the road, you want lighting safety, um, you want your brakes to work. Uh, I would prefer no obstructions inside the, the box that your horse is in that it can get caught on or it can get its halter caught on or a rope. Um, and obviously provide some room for its legs and, and head. Right. Dividers are sort of a personal choice. Um, it's nice to be able to keep a horse separated from another horse so they can't kick each other, uh, crush each other, bite each other. Um, however, there's some horses that travel together very well. Uh, and I think most horse owners sort of figure that out with practice. All right. Very good. And our next question from Peggy in Missouri would like to know what are the current safety standards for horse trailer electrical systems? Uh, she had a lighting failure during an emergency vet trip, which of course is the worst possible time. <laughs> Sorry, Peggy. Oh, that's awful, Peggy. However, I will tell you that almost every horse person I've talked to at one point or another has had some kind of failure of their electrical system or brake system because of the aforementioned problems with the electrical systems on trailers. There really is not a good standard. Um, once it gets to their standards nationally through the National Association of Trailer Manufacturers for the harness portion of the wiring, but once you get back to how you get it to the brakes or how you get it to the lights, uh, it sort of comes down to their um, personal standards. Uh, some people, as before, they've just stapled it underneath the trailer. Some people put it in conduit, which is the right way to do it. Uh, what I really tell people is don't trust your lighting uh, and your brakes to always work. Have a backup plan, which would be your safety brakes, obviously, with that uh, battery in the, in the front, and also reflective tape. If you park your car 100 feet behind your trailer at night and turn on your lights and you can't see your trailer very well, which you'll be horrified. Many trailers you cannot see even 100 feet back. Um, go get some reflective tape from the local co-op or tractor supply type store, buy some reflective tape, and put it all over your trailer so that you can be seen. Because when something like that happens and you're out there on the side of the interstate at night and your trailer lights are not working and you've blown a tire, that is, it's a horrific situation for you as well as um, other people that are driving down the road. There is no such thing as too much reflective tape, in other words. Yes, my ex-husband has a sticker fetish, and he has them all over the trailer, but you can't hit it without saying you saw it. <laughs> Only if you hit it while you were asleep. All right, we had another very, very popular question. Um, should you tie your horse in the trailer, and if so, how? I'll be glad to answer 
for that one. Um, I think that it depends on the horse and, and, your, and your rig. If you have a safe rig where you can make a box stall and the horse is happy riding that way, by all means, I think that's a good idea. Um, horses actually do have opinions about how they want to stand in the stall. Some really like to stand backwards, ride backwards, as some like to stand on a slant. And some do prefer forward. I think forward is usually the least popular. Uh, just as Rebecca said, about 60% of the horse's weight is in his front end. And so he continually needs to prop to hold himself up and adjust to the movement um, of the trailer. So I like the idea of shipping um, in a box if you have the appropriate rig and the horse uh, is comfortable with that. It's not good if they bounce around too much, obviously. It's harder to keep the, uh, the rig steady on the road. If you are going to tie your horse, which most of us do, um, I, I strongly recommend tying your, your rope or to something that breaks easily. And um, I'm very happy using ba baling twine, for example. And you can make a double ring of baling twine and tie that to the tie ring in your trailer and then tie your lead to the, to the baling twine. If the horse gets into difficulties, he'll easily break the twine and be able to adjust for whatever strange posture he needs to be in. Um, it's extremely important that, that, so, that the horse not end up hanging if, if there's an accident. Um, need to be able to get their heads loose. I like to tie them long enough um, that they can move their head a bit, but not so long that they can get a foot over the rope or interfere with their traveling buddy. So you have to, uh, you have to make um, a good compromise there. All right. Very good. And a next question related to tying. Um, Susan says that she doesn't tie her horse in the trailer, but she usually leaves a lead rope on him tossed over his neck for easy access. And is this something that you recommend? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, need, to, I need to say something about that one. Uh, I know of, of two cases, and I've heard of others, but I know of two cases that we have photos of where somebody did something like that, and somehow the lead rope managed to get outside of the trailer caught around the axle on the trailer and killed the horse. So that's a real bad, um, real bad plan. And obviously, as Catherine was saying, anytime you have a loose rope, it can get wrapped around a leg, it can get wrapped around an obstacle, horse can step on it, the other horse can step on it. I don't think that's a very good idea at all. Um, it's great to load the horse with, without, where he just goes in the trailer, great, but then take the rope off. That's a, an absolutely fantastic reason not to do that. I can't imagine having to deal with that in the back of my trailer, hmm. uh, going back to the back of my trailer to see part of my horse. Um, Mary in our audience would like to know what your thoughts are on breakaway trailer ties versus failing twine. Oh, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, the breakaway trailer ties are fine. The problem with those, let me be specific, they need to be something like a, a turtle snap or the Jamal Industries makes a uh, breakaway tra trailer tie, it needs to be attached to the trailer end. And the reason for that is if there's a trailer accident or the horse really panics, he can pull himself loose just like with, uh, like Catherine was saying with the bailing twine and he'll still have his halter on with a short lead rope. And the nice thing about that is in a trailer wreck, who's going to be at that trailer wreck? A firefighter. Does that firefighter know anything about horses? Probably not. So he's not going to be able to get in there, put a halter on that horse. In this case, he can open the door, the horse is able to get up or move around, turns around, the firefighter can hang onto that short tra trailer tie and get out, lead the horse out with a halter on his head. That would be the best situation. Um, the panic snaps that most people are used to imply that you have to use your opposable thumb to move the panic snap. And I don't know about you, but I am not going in an overturned trailer crawling over horse bodies to get to the front where I can pull on that panic snap. Uh, so those are not highly recommended. I like things like the turtle snap or the Jamal Industries version um, so that you can, and I can send you those links. All right, or, or, or failing that, um, make sure you tie with something you can cut and always have a sharp knife. Exactly. Excellent point. We'll get into that here in just a second. Real briefly, the results of our poll. What time of year do you do most of your shipping? 20% um, of you say it's in the spring, 40% in the summer, 28% in the fall, 2% in the winter, 9% say you don't trailer your horses. So moving on to our next question, um, Anne from North Carolina would like to know, if you have a three or four horse slant trailer and you're only hauling one horse, where is the safest place to put him? 
my, my vote is put him over the axles, if at all possible, because obviously that distributes the weight better. However, I'm also be careful about putting him in the very last stall next to the vehicle behind you, because we do know of numerous cases where a driver behind you can't stop in time, slams into the back of your trailer, and then it's difficult. Uh, the horse may get injured from the car hitting it, but also it, you can't get the door open at that point. So uh, it's nice to have him in the next stall up if all possible, and I'm also a big fan of having as much access in the trailer as possible, i.e. Um, a front access door that a horse can jump out of in an emergency, um, or the nice ramp partitions on either side. Um, more than one door is a big, big thing for a trailer. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really important, and, and perhaps, you know, it, it gives one pause a little bit when you're thinking about a three-horse slant, because the guy in the middle has uh, less egress. <laughs> that's right. Definitely. So, all right, so our next question is from, uh, actually a similar question from a lot of people, uh, this particular one from Vicki in Illinois. What are your thoughts on shipping boots versus wraps and head protection? Well, I'll take that one if I could. Um, I think shipping boots are, and wraps are a really good idea because it doesn't take very long to have an accident in the trailer. The horse can just step the wrong way or get frightened and cause himself injury. So shorter long trips, I do like to use some protection. Bell boots are good. A common place for injuries to occur is the bulb of the heel. And uh, you can either set your shipping bandages very low so it covers the bulb or put a good set of bell boots on the horse in front and behind. Um, I also, there are numerous shipping boots that are available commercially. I like the ones that extend up to protect both the knee in the front and the hock behind. Um, and they're very nice. They wrap around with Velcro closures and I think those are a really uh, good solution. But there are a number of different models. I think head protection is fine. I don't think the head protectors that we normally use will protect against um, a severe trauma but they will keep the horse from banging his head, cut, maybe losing the skin, maybe between his ears. So they're a good idea. Um, what about heat under the wraps? Um, the majority of the heat that the horse generates is certainly in those large muscles and his large body, um, and rather than from the legs. And just as, the, as cooling the legs will not cool the horse, um, I don't think that insulating the legs with wraps is going to uh, seriously compromise his ability to lose heat. So I don't worry about that. All right, perfect. And a couple of people asked about wrapping legs for short, short versus long trips, seeming to imply that it, they were wondering if it was okay not to wrap le legs for short trips. Any thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on that are, as I said, it doesn't take very long to have an accident um, in the trailer. Horses find ways, um, no matter what you do. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm sort of a believer in, in, in why not put the protection on, even if it's a short trip. You never know what's going to happen. Agreed. We always did. Thanks for that. Um, we have one other question in this area from Nancy in Kentucky who would like to know, what equipment do you recommend that you always have to have in your truck and trailer while transporting horses? Ooh, 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 me, me, me. <laughs> uh, let me get on that. Uh, I can give you a real quick short list. Uh, road hazard warning kit. Uh, good reflective tape on your trailer and a reflective vest for you if you're caught on the side of the road. That's the first thing is safety. A good cell phone that's going to reach out there and touch 911 or if you're going to call a roadside assistance, remember that U.S. Rider is the uh, one that will help you with your trailer. Um, AAA will leave you on the side of the road with your horses and your trailer. Um, a good first aid kit for both the equines and the humans, and I'm sure Catherine will cover that in a little bit more detail. A sharp knife, like she was saying earlier. Um, I'm a big fan of having uh, a hammer. Um, that's to try to drive the pins out of a chest bar that the horse might be on top of or a gate or a divider that might be trapping the horse. Um, it's always nice to have you know, just a couple hand tools, a hammer, um, maybe a wrench, uh, those kinds of things. Um, and then a towel or a blanket, something that if the horse is down and you're trying to keep it calm, that you can put over their eyes as a blindfold. We are not big fans of blindfolds on standing horses because there's lots of horses that don't like that. But if the horse is down, preventing him from hurting that downside eye while he's struggling and tends to keep him a little calmer. And the last thing is probably something that most people don't think about, and that is some good quality hay. Um, the funny thing about horses, <laughs> one of my standard comments is, uh, 
horses tend to go, oh my God, I'm in a life-threatening emergency. <gasps> Look, there's some good hay or there's some grass. Um, so if you can throw him some hay or um, some good quality forage or even a little bit of feed maybe, keep him distracted um, while you're dealing with whatever emergency you're dealing with, that's probably a smart thing to do. Um, I will put in a little plug here for the Technical Large Animal Emergency Rescue textbook that is out there. You can get it off of Amazon, and I think Christy has posted the link. Um, but that's got all the details on how to do the prevention portion as well as the response portion for these kinds of emergencies. Excellent. Thank you for that information. And our next question, we're going to move into horse care into probably another one of our most popular questions that we receive for this session from Sharon in Texas. How long should you drive before stopping to unload and rest the horses? I think that's, that's really an excellent question. And although there are no hard and fast rules, um, I, I, before the 1996 Olympics, uh, we had quite a few, and then, then, then shortly thereafter, we had quite a few discussions about transport um, for, for, of horses going long distances. And the consensus was that the longest is that you should go is probably 12 hours. And we follow the adage of long on, long off. So if you're going to haul for 12 hours, the horse needs to get off the trailer and get into a stall and rest for eight hours optimally. Um, this will allow them to actually rest, um, maybe lay down. Certainly will be an encouraging environment for them to eat and drink and defecate, urinate, all those good things that are harder when you're on the road. So long on, long off, and I wouldn't ship any farther than 12 hours if I could help it. Uh, and that, that's easy for me to say, and people who are going across the country to show all the time often feel that it's more um, sort of more convenient for everyone to ship 36 or 40 hours. I don't recommend that. Our data shows that about 10% of horses um, who ship will get uh, shipping sickness, which is an, a pneumonia, and um, that's a, you know, 90% of the time you get away with it, but when you're in the 10%, it's not a good thing at all. So I, I, that's what I recommend, long on, long off. For, for, haul, for hauling less than six hours or so, um, I mean, that shouldn't really be a big issue unless your horse is a bad shipper. All right, and Debbie from Florida wants to know how often you should stop and offer water. I, I usually recommend making sure you stop in a safe place. Um, and then if you can do that every four to six hours to offer your horse water, that's great. It's pretty inconvenient for everybody to leave drinking water hanging um, in, a, in a stall, uh, in, a, in a trailer. I think just, the horse will turn the water over or get clocked in the head with a bucket. So uh, <laughs> I, think it's a good, I think it's a good idea to, to, um, to just stop and offer the water. Many horses do not drink well while shipping is of course a problem. Very good. Then we're going to launch another quick poll for everybody, for our audience. Uh, does ammonia, <clears throat> excuse me, do ammonia and odors become noticeable to you inside your trailers when shipping your horses? Take a moment to look at that. We'll go on to our next question. Uh, another popular one for this time of year, especially this year. Uh, Anna in Ohio would like to know what are the best ways to keep a horse cool during long hauls and hot weather? That's a, another excellent question. Um, I think the, the, probably the Cadillac answer to that is to air condition your trailer. Uh, if that's a possibility, that works really well, especially if you're hauling long distances in the summer. If you can't air condition your trailer then, uh, or put a fan in it, then I recommend uh, that you haul at night or in the coolest part of the day and pick, um, pick a route where you're not going to have to do a lot of stopping and starting or going around lots of corners. Try to get on a big interstate um, and make a minimum of stops uh, for, for things where the, where the horse just has to stand there like gas or food for the people. Because generally speaking, most of the time horses stay reasonably cool on the trailer unless you've packed them in there too tightly. Uh, but when you stop, there's no ventilation, just, just like in an airplane. When the thing is stopped, the ventilation is terrible. So um, keep moving, haul at night, pick the good roads. Catherine, that's an excellent answer. I'm going to add to that one. I've met a girl one time that hauls uh, horses for endurance rides, and she would actually leave two days ahead of time and take all the small roads and drive slowly. She tended to drive somewhere around 45 or 50 miles an hour. And she, when I talked to her about it, she was actually doubling the, you know, the the length of time the horse was in the trailer for these trail rides and for these endurance rides. And, and I told her, I said, you're working your horse to death on the trailer um, with all these stops and starts and little towns and this kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of get on the interstate, drive at a safe speed, 
and that will provide that ventilation you're looking for too. I think that's a great point. You know, there was one study uh, done uh, in Europe that showed that the muscular effort involved in riding on a trailer is, is probably sort of similar to walking. So you would never ask your horse to walk for eight straight hours. Um, and it is tiring, and, and they do have to do work, and that generates heat um, and fatigue. Right. Excellent, excellent points. Um, another question related to heat. Bonnie in Michigan wants to know if during extreme heat, if you return hot and sweaty from the trail ride, should you cool your horse out before putting him on the trailer to go home? Absolutely. Um, he may heat up in the trailer, so you, you, you should spend some time bathing him and letting him relax, pick a little bit of grass, preferably a few hours until he's really cooled off before putting him in the trailer. Presumably, if he got hot and sweaty, it means that he got ridden pretty hard, so let him, let him rest up a little bit before you send him home. Excellent. And we have sort of the opposite question from uh, somebody named Darn, wants to know, what about hauling in winter? Any precautions, special considerations for hauling in winter? I think it depends on how inclement the weather is and if the horses are, have good hair coats. I think that it's a good idea, um, you know, heat, if you need them to stay warm, then several horses on the trailer will help that a lot. Most of the time, even when hauling in winter, people tend to overdress their horses. You don't want to get to the other end and have them sweating under the blankets. So you try to come up with an appropriate amount of blanketing that will keep the horse comfortable but not overheat him. And generally, they haul pretty well in the winter, um, as long as you're not talking about extreme conditions. Right, very good. And real quickly, the results of our poll on ammonia and odors in trailers. 28% uh, of you say you sometimes notice these odors in your trailer. 4% most of the time. 1% says you always notice these smells in the trailer. 59% never. And again, 8% say you don't trailer at all. Our next question is from Lori, who would like to know, in California, who would like to know, should she give her horse banamine for long hauls? Um, I am not a fan of using banamine or other drugs that are in that class like phenylbutazone or butazolidin or ketophen, ketoprofen, uh, because those drugs will mask the horse's uh, actual temperature. And so since looking at the horse's temperature is the easy, one of the easiest ways to tell if he's sick, if you're giving him a drug that's going to keep artificially reduce his temperature into the normal range, uh, that is not, um, not, that's counterproductive. So I do not recommend that as a practice. All right. Thank you for that. And our next question is from Anna Maria, who would like to know, when would you administer a sedative to a horse when trailering? The backstory on this is uh, on a recent trip, she had a flat and had a state policeman parked behind her horse trailer with flares to divert traffic, and then her horse got, understandably, a little bit panicked. He was on the side of the road with that situation for a little while. So when would you use a sedative? I would prefer to use the sedative before the horse got upset, if that's possible. Clearly, you can't tell ahead of time that you're going to have a problem on the road. But if your horse is a nervous shipper, then I would consider a mild sedative that's fairly long-acting. You don't want the horse to be so uh, sedate that he has trouble standing comfortably in the trailer. So I might use a drug like acepromazine. And you should, you should consult your veterinarian and find a safe dose. But that drug will last hours and may just take the edge off um, if the horse tends to be very nervous. Some really nervous horses are better when there's another horse in the trailer, too, so you might consider taking a companion. In general, I'm not a fan of trying to sedate really excited horses, because you sometimes get an, an effect that you're not ready for. So um, I, I think it's best to try to anticipate if you know the horse is a nervous shipper. All right. Very good. Thank you for that. And Anne in New York would like to know if fly masks while trailering are a good way to protect the horses from dust or debris, or is there, will they get caught on stuff? I don't recommend fly masks because I don't think they're going to really filter out the dust and small particles. They're good for larger objects or maybe in insects, but in the trailer, those should not be a big problem. Um, so I, I would not recommend a fly mask. I think, I think the horse can get hot under them. I think they can get caught on things. Yes, all those things. Uh, I'll caveat that. Some of the people out west that tend to haul in open trailers, that's probably a good idea just because, uh, you know, otherwise the horse has direct exposure to the insects and stuff. But she's absolutely right about the dust. It doesn't help. All right. Very good. And our next question is from Deborah, who would like to know if it's best to haul a horse shipping forward or aft. <laughs> I'll take that one. There's been a lot of research. Uh, Sharon Krieger up in Canada has done a lot of research on this. And actually, when you look at the videos, it's amazing to me 
most horses really do like to be facing backwards in a trailer um, if you give them the option. However, because they can brace themselves better uh, because of the 60% on their front end, uh, otherwise having to, to support all that weight. However, uh, as you can imagine, most people in the United States uh, are having problems even loading their horse in the trailer, much less backing their horse into the trailer. Um, so we don't sell too many trailers that way, and that's really sort of a, a training issue more than anything else. Um, it really comes down to what your horse prefers. If you are, have the luxury of being able to provide enough room in the trailer for the horse to be able to choose, that's wonderful. But otherwise, most trailers are set up for the horse to move to, to face forward. All right. And our next question, Carol from Montana would like to know how important is it that the horse has hay in the trailer while traveling, especially for a longer trip? Um, I, like, uh, I like the hay um, to sort of distract the horse. The downside is that the horse can't get his nose really away from the hay, and the hay has lots of particulate matter that the horse is going to inhale, which can end, end up being an irritant for the lower respiratory tract, the lower trachea and the lungs. So one thing I like to do is, is take the hay net and immerse it in water before I hang it up in there. And maybe use one with kind of smaller holes. You can buy those small hole nets, and they'll kind of corral the hay better um, than uh, would be the case if it was in a regular hay net. Uh, I, I like the idea of giving them hay if they're going to be in there a long time. All right. Thank you very much for that. And our next question, uh, Susan would like to know, how can I tell how the trailer actually travels without actually getting in it and cross-tying myself? That's a great mental image. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, there are wireless cameras that are available. You can get the cheaper versions. You can get the higher-end versions that have infrared also so you can see in the dark. Those are not that expensive. Uh, most of them you can get somewhere around $200, and you can be driving down the road, or preferably not the driver, but the navigator can be looking in the trailer to see what the horses are doing. Sometimes they'll have two or four cameras that come with the system so that you can switch between cameras and watch what your horses are doing in the trailer. That is the safest way to realize what's going on so that you can pull off of the road deal with the situation without uh, wondering what that weird sound or that weird movement in the back of the trailer is. All right, perfect. And Gail from California would like to know, um, excuse me, I just scrolled past your question, how can I prepare my horse for long distance shipping? Well, I, th I think that's um, a hard question. I think a, really the most important thing is making sure the mare's comfortable shipping. Uh, she should be healthy when she gets on the trailer. Um, and have had all of the health uh, checks and vaccinations that are recommended for interstate shipment. Um, you need actually by law in most states uh, a health certificate indicating that your horse has not been exposed to uh, other infectious diseases when you ship within the state and certainly between states. So you need to get a good uh, get a health certificate and make sure the mare is comfortable shipping. Otherwise, I don't think there's any way really to prepare her. All right. And Victoria from Idaho would like to know if it's a good idea to arrive where you're going at least an hour ahead to let horses get their land legs back. I'm a big fan of getting there early, uh, especially if you're hauling a long distance. And that, that uh, goes back to the comment that I made. About 10% of horses that haul long distances, so more than 12 hours, will become ill. They generally get uh, shipping fever, which is typically pneumonia caused by bacteria like strep or actinobacillus that live normally in the upper airway as perfectly harmless organisms. But when they get down in the lungs and the horse can't get his head down to clear his trachea, those organisms sit in the lungs over a long period of time of trailering and they start to foment um, uh, a pneumonia. So I like to get where I'm going so that if my horse was unlucky and got pneumonia, I have time to treat him before I need to do Get, get going with my competition or my vacation or whatever. So uh, really long trips, we like to leave several days, maybe a week. Shorter trips, um, you know, a day is a good idea. All right, excellent. And we're going to move on a little bit. Um, Alicia from Minnesota has a question about feed. To feed in water before or during travel or not, is there a guideline on length of time in the trailer that you should base any feeding decisions on? Rebecca, you want to go for that one? Sure. Um, there's not really any particular guidelines. The research has looked at um, feeding uh, 
often horses do not eat as well as you would expect normally um, because of the stress of trailering. And even horses that go to shows or go to races and get on trailers a lot, uh, like mine, they, they probably spend 40 days a year on a trailer. And they're pretty good shippers and they eat and drink pretty well, but even they will not eat quite as well as they normally uh, would. So there's not really any guidelines. It really comes down to um, looking at what professional horsemen do. Uh, I my biggest deal is don't change your routine. If you normally feed twice a day, then you need to attempt to feed twice a day. If you feed once a day, then attempt to feed once a day. Um, if you change that routine and screw up the microflora in that gut um, because of the stress plus the change in feed, that's going to affect the horse more than anything else. Thank you for that. Melinda in Florida would like to know if you recommend giving horses a brand mash before a long trailer ride. I think that's not a bad idea. One of the things we're always concerned about is that horses will develop impaction colic while trailering long distances, particularly because they tend not to eat and drink as regularly as they would otherwise. So giving them something like a bran mash that will hold more water inside the gut and therefore tend to make the manure softer is a good idea. Some people will actually give their horses a mineral oil by stomach tube uh, before shipping. And I think, I think that's a that's a fine idea. Um, it it doesn't hurt anything, and it, it may help. Um, as far as feeding and supplements, I completely agree with, with what Rebecca said. I wouldn't change my normal um, routine, but I would say that if the horse is going to stand on the trailer for a day, he probably doesn't need all the feed he would get after a hard work. All right. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to do one more poll real quickly from our audience. Do you currently use a deodorizer in your trailer and that's not counting shavings or other bedding products or whatnot? All right, and our next question, another fairly common question from Paul in Utah who would like to know, uh, excuse me, that's wrong, from Lori in Montana who would like to know what you think about giving electrolytes a day before you haul long distances in the heat. Good idea as long as the horse has ready access to water. Because once, if the horse actually eats the electrolytes, he is going to experience um, pretty extreme thirst. And so it's important that he have access to water. I would not give him a huge amount of electrolyte. You don't want to make him uncomfortable. Um, but it should improve his water intake. It will also increase the urine output, however, which has, uh, doesn't have a positive effect on fluid balance. All right, good points. Um, we're going to change gears a little bit, talk about accidents and emergency situations. And a number of you have had questions about horses that uh, don't load well or have behavior issues. We're going to get to those in just a moment. But right now, Mary in Texas would like to know what are the most typical trailering injuries and what are the recommended what is the recommended course of action to address them or prevent them even better. Rebecca, do you have some data on this? We actually do. Um, unfortunately, I wish we had even better data, um, but everybody that you talk to that works at vet clinics and particularly the vet techs uh, will tell you that they spend sometimes 25% of their time at their work loading horses in the, in the parking lot at the uh, vet clinic because people have issues loading their horses and trailers and that's where the cuts and lacerations and rope burns come from is attempting to get the horse in the trailer in the first place and once he does get in the trailer if he's scared raising his head um, slamming his head into other things uh, other horses reaching over and biting the horse uh, so cuts and lacerations and rope burns are probably the most common uh, trailering injuries once you start getting into the emergencies where you have turned the trailer over or um, had someone slam into you or you've slammed into somebody, then obviously that gets into the far more serious injuries um, where we're talking about uh, possibly broken legs, crushed skulls, those kinds of things. And that's, as a PhD, that's not really in my, uh, <laughs> I'm not liberty to talk about those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, our next question from C in Vermont, who says, as an EMT, uh, he was trained to put uh, ear protection in the horse's ears if they're trying to get him out of a trailer and crash situation. What are your thoughts on that? Those are great. The problem is I don't want you going in the trailer um, when it's overturned to try to put the pom-poms in his ears. It is true that extrication equipment that the fire department will use are going to be very loud. Um, what we found is trying to distract him as some of the ways that we've talked about earlier, particularly uh, good quality forage, um, into the trailer. He may be happily eating while you're extricating um, him. 
the very loud equipment can be solved by using something called the jaws of life and putting the generator further away from the trailer. The jaws themselves don't make that much noise. It's the generator that makes equipment. Things like air chisels may have to be used. They're extremely loud um, and probably scary to horses. But what we've also found is you have to un remember how animals accommodate to these kinds of situations. If you start cutting on the trailer and you don't keep starting and stopping, he'll probably accommodate to the sound and you can finish the cut and then pull the, the metal away and get the animal out. I'm not a big fan of sending people into trailers to put pom-poms in their ears. All right. Good point. Safety first. And uh, Gavin would like to know uh, if, if you could explain travel sickness and how to prevent it. Okay, I kind of got to start on got to start on that and answering an earlier question. Typically, uh, the most common thing I think we see is shipping fever, which, as I mentioned, is pneumonia. And the pneumonia is usually caused by bugs that normally live in the upper airway. The, and the reason they cause pneumonia when shipping is that we typically tie our horses' heads. They can't get their heads on the ground, so they can't clear their airway uh, by normal mechanisms and get rid of those bacteria. That, that's what would normally happen is the bacteria would go to the lungs and then get pushed up out of the trachea. So uh, about 10% of horses that ship long distances will get sick. Typically, these are very treatable conditions. Um, often when the horse gets off the van, it'll have a nasty mucoid nasal discharge in both nostrils, possibly even a yellow discharge. And generally, some good antibiotics like um, that you get from your veterinarian um, would be helpful. And often, the horses will respond quite quickly to a relatively short course of antibiotics. Um, and typically, they'll have a fever uh, when they arrive at the, at the site, at the shipping site. So um, it's typical, as I said, it's most commonly pneumonia. There are other things that happen like impaction colic, but I think pneumonia is the common sickness. All right, and now we're going to shift gears into the behavior section. But first, real quickly, we're going to share the results of our poll. Uh, do you currently use a deodorizer in your trailer? 1% of you do, 88% of you do not, 3% of you do it sometimes, and of course we've still got 8% who don't trailer their horses at all. Our next question, we're going to move into the behavior area. Uh, Janet from Kentucky says she has a claustrophobic mare who loads and unloads, but no matter how cold it is outside, she gets soaking wet and stressed in the trailer. Is there anything that she, she can do to help? I'll take that one. My definition of a good loader in a trailer is different from most other people's uh, definitions. I want my horse uh, to load from 40 feet away without a halter on his head, and I point at the trailer, and the horse goes in the trailer. Uh, <laughs> I want them to be calm on the trailer, and that, that comes with practice. Uh, and I encourage people to get professional assistance from people. These days, there's videos and books and plenty of uh, natural horsemanship type trainers that can assist you with getting your horse to be more calm about going on the trailer. Um, just because he goes on the trailer doesn't mean he's calm about it, and it probably just takes a little bit more practice. And also making sure, as we spoke about before, that it's a big enough trailer. Uh, she's got plenty of headroom, particularly if she's uh, a large horse, and uh, that uh, there's not some strange thing. Sometimes there's strange things. Uh, maybe a short in your wiring may be putting a little bit of a charge into the trailer, and uh, that stresses the horses quite a bit if you're getting electrocuted going down the, ro the road. So uh, take a look at some of those kinds of things, but that would sort of be strange. I, I, most of the time it just comes down to practicing more than you think to, to get the horse calm about being on the trailer. I think I would definitely be nervous if I were getting electrocuted going down the road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ken from New York would like to know if there's any way you can teach a horse to load without having a trailer actually present. Absolutely you can. You've got so many opportunities just around your barn. You can load your horse into his stall, stand on the outside of the stall, get him to go in and out of the stall calmly, uh, back him in and out of the stall, back him and turn him into and get him to be calm about going into his wash rack. Um, set up a couple of barrels and work with, you know, as though it was a trailer and get him used to that. I have seen people... Um, Set it, practice in their garage, uh, where they not a concrete floor garage, but their uh, carports. Um, anything that looks like a trailer and is claustrophobic like a trailer, you can you can use your imagination and set up a situation similar to that and let them practice. And obviously, then the flooring issue, um, as far as having a floor that sort of wiggles when they step on it, um, you may be able to use your imagination on that. Uh, stepping the horse up on the plywood, stepping the horse onto some other surface that gets him used to. Uh, stepping up onto something that's a little bit different than, than the ground. 
Very good. And our uh, website programmer actually has done this with her horse and had some really good results. All right, our next question is from uh, White in Washington. The Senate one trainer told him that a horse that is hesitant about being loaded is usually a result of not being trained to lead properly. So we're related to the last question. Absolutely. What do you think? That's exactly what's going on. If the, if the horse puts his feet where you want him to put his feet, um, you can eventually get him to load happily in the trailer. Uh, so usually these loading problems start because you did not do your homework on the ground. And this comes often, in my opinion, from people who wait until the show or they wait until, oh my god, my horse is colicking and I need to take it to the vet to try to force the horse onto the trailer in a stressful situation. I really agree with that and I, 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 I think there are a lot of techniques for teaching your horse to load, but for me the bottom line is that the horse has to learn that when you want it to go forward, it has to go forward. And so I spend a lot of time teaching the horse that when I tap it on the rear end with, a, with a, a, a whip, not hit it, but tap it, it has to take a step forward. I think this number of the uh, popular horse trainers like John Lyons have described this technique. And I think it works really well. It's basically teaching the horse that he has to go forward and move on himself. Good points. And now what about uh, Shonda from Tennessee? What about the scenario if you have a horse that uh, has been, was injured while loading or in a trailer accident or anything like that and now doesn't want to get in the trailer? What, is that any different? Okay. Okay. I've got, I've got the first part of this one. Uh, probably the biggest load of junk that I hear from people is, my horse was injured in a trailer wreck. Uh, if you forced him in the trailer and he got hurt, that's very different from being in a trailer wreck. Uh, the horse is standing in the back and we call it the drunk effect. The horse can't know that you're getting ready to slam into a pole or another car or uh, be rear-ended by another vehicle. And they re don't react to that the same way. Time and time again we see horses coming out of trailer wrecks and they'll step right onto the emergency trailer that has responded to get them off the side of the interstate because they're not afraid of the trailer. They don't make that association like we would emotionally with, oh my god, I've been in a trailer wreck. Um, what happens is if they get scared or being forced to load on a trailer or they get beaten or whipped into a trailer, then they don't want to go in the trailer. So um, I think this, uh, this excuse of my horse was in a trailer crash uh, is probably not as common as you think it is. All right, good to know. I know I had a mare who was really, really head shy trying to duck in the door of a trailer, but since I don't know her history, I'd, she was probably whipped onto the trailer because she did not respond well to that at all, but a little time, spent about six weeks feeding her, making her duck her head in the trailer to eat. She finally decided the trailer was not going to reach out and bite her, bite her head off. She, yes, she That worked out all right. Okay, we're going to take just uh, just a couple more questions real quick because we're out of time. But we've got a couple of good ones left. Uh, Julie from Indiana would like to know if you have any suggestions for trailering a weak or a sick horse, such as one from a neglect situation. Catherine, that's you. <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> Hot potato. Uh, yeah, hot potato. Well, I think that you, you can, if you have a, um, a horse that can stand, you can put it in a trailer where it doesn't have too much room and it can lean a little bit on the walls and not, that'll help some. If the horse is strong enough to stand with just the wall to lean on, that will work. And there are trailers that are, are equipped, ambulance trailers that are equipped with slings. You can use that. Um, I've seen some difficulties using slings for rescue, and so I don't recommend doing that unless the horse absolutely needs it. I got a horse one time shipped into me that actually had straw bales between its legs, between its front and hind legs, and it was actually resting on the bales. Worked okay for that horse. Um, he was pretty tractable. So there are some things you can do um, with weak horses. It's also perfectly acceptable to haul a down horse. That horse may require some tranquilization, and the hardest part's getting them on a tra onto the um, onto the trailer. Um, and I would do this on a skid of some sort, um, haul, pull the horse up up the ramp, and then uh, get him on the get him on the trailer, keep him tranquilized or anesthetized till you get him going. Very good. And our next question from Sandy would like to know what should a horse owner look for and expect from a commercial horse shipping company. I would, I'll start on that one. Look for a professional, and then I'll quit. <laughs> I agree. And find that professional by what, local references, word of mouth, online? Other, other horsemen, um, there certainly are some companies that uh, haul um, coast to coast. Uh, it's easy to, I think, get a recommendation by word of mouth for a good company, for a good haul. And, and you probably get what you pay for. Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
Seems to remember a story from a friend about shipping a horse uh, to, from home to school and there was a washer in the next stall or something like that. That's probably not what I'd prefer. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, we're going to take one more question because we are out of time. James from Minnesota would like to know if, it's, if there's a website for when he's traveling between states or countries where he might know what the requirements would be for each state he's passing through. That's a really astute question. You should consult your veterinarian and, and there, there will be um, a website um, associated with your State Board of Veterinary Examiners where the rules are probably listed. And there's a giant uh, resource a database that talks about what, what kind of vaccinations you need and so forth. And generally speaking, they're mostly routine things unless you're shipping, say, to uh, South Texas where you might be required to have uh, Venezuelan equine encephalitis virus vaccine that would not be required anywhere else in the U.S. So it's good to check those. And of course, if you're, you're shipping even farther than that, you know, need to I'll look at the state you'll be passing through. All right. Excellent points. I'd like to thank everybody for showing up tonight. That is all the time we have today. But I want to thank, especially thank Drs. Cohen and Jimenez for their time. They've done a fantastic job. And, of course, I want to thank everybody for showing up. You sent in a lot of great questions, and the session will be archived soon on thehorse.com. I would also encourage you to check out more trailering tips under the trailering and transportation topic at thehorse.com. And last but not least, thanks again to Sweet PDZ for bringing this free session to you today. Check them out at www.sweetpdz.com slash coupon.html. Have a wonderful evening and safe travels.